Welcome to Brew Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up-to-date information on training, nutrition, lifestyle and business with your host, Helda Barroso. Right guys, welcome to another podcast, uh, Success Radio podcast here again. Today we are with Dan. Dan is a personal training director at M10 Gym in Nottingham where he applies everything he's learned over the years into transforming the lives of his clients. Dan has vast experience in both the sport and fitness worlds, as well as in-depth understanding of mechanics of the body. Dan's actual passion for mindset and psychology started at a very early age. From his own experiences, he's learned how to teach the mind to acknowledge and move on from poor decisions, poor decisions made. Helping clients understand how their mind works, how they overcome the internal dialogue that leads to negative behavior is one of the key areas he addresses and focus on helping drive successful client transformations. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, mate. Good to Ple- speak to you again. Pleasure to have you on board. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more uh, to, to, the, to the listeners and tell them a bit more about yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you for the great introduction. As you guys heard, uh, I'm a personal training director and head of education over at M10 Fitness in Nottingham. Uh, I've been in the industry now as an active personal trainer for 12 to 13 years, always been based in Nottingham, kind of background stems from sport, so a lot of football and golf. But yeah, kind of a little bit about me is a massive passion of mine is mindset and psychology and how that relates to kind of personal decisions and leads to results. In my opinion, kind of the mind is the key to success, kind of. There's no other way to look at it. You can eat or train as hard as you want, but unless you're practicing and positivity and encouraging, being able to see things from an eclectic way, using the brain as a tool, that's the only limiting factor of your success. So as we go in the podcast today, you'll hear a little bit about how crazy I think about things, but hopefully you'll be able to take a few bits away from what I apply to clients and coaches I work with around the country as well. So what, uh, um, what, what, what made you go into the world of personal training? What was your passion for doing this? Uh, well, I was uh, played sport, well, football at a quite decent level and the same with golf and kind of through injury and kind of everything else. I just kind of fell out with it and it kind of curtailed any potential careers. And I've never been one to be sat behind a computer, which is ironic because of what we're doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Kind of never been one to be sat on my hands and the natural evolution from sport into something like personal training was was something that I never really thought about, but at 17, 18, got the opportunity to do my personal training course and then haven't looked back. Back, I've started to realize from quite an early age that kind of I had a skill for understanding and reading people, which is how I came across a lot more of my mindset and psychology stuff, which has turned to a massive passion of mine. So yeah, it was, I've always been involved in activity. So it yeah. was, it was, it's a natural progression for me to get into personal training. Yeah. So, uh, and um, where did you start your personal training and how did you go from, from where you were to being at such a, an amazing place as M10? Well, for me, it was, it's all about study and learn, kind of. There's so many personal trainers in the country and I'm, well, I'm Capricorn by trade, so Makes two of us. I'm very stubborn and kind of anything that I've always done, I've always wanted to be the best. One of my major characteristics of my, uh, my, my personality types is to be the best. 
being a, the best personal trainer is sub, very subjective because as we were speaking about before the call, there's so many elements that go into being a good personal trainer. 100%. But being the best I can physically be in, in regards to the service I can offer the people that I work with. So I think as a personal trainer, I'm not comparative to you and to any other personal trainer. No, absolutely. We are individuals, but what I mean by the be the best that I can be is the service that I offer to clients. And that just comes from not a passion for education and understanding that there's so much to learn in this industry. And we have, as personal trainers and coaches, we have such a, a massive responsibility to help people from all walks of life improve life. And from early in my career, I realized that I was quite good at it and kind of I had a real thirst for helping change people's lives. And that's not just from a training standpoint, that's from an evolution standpoint in regards to relationships, kind of how we, how we think about themselves and everything. Yeah, all in above. So You know what, um, Dan, I think it's a bit of a cliche when, they ask, when you ask a personal trainer, why do you do what you do? And most of them say, oh, I want to help change people's lives, right? Uh, yeah. And I think to a, t to a certain extent, most people that go into this job genuinely want to help someone change their life, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't think that many people know what actually entails to help someone change their life because it's not like you said, and we said this before the call, it's not just about what we do in the gym floor, you know? Yeah. That's very, very, very minimal. Yeah. Um, I personally think, since I've been doing this job now, and we're going back a few years too, is that the more and more people I deal with, the more and more I realize it's the mind that, that is 100%. the limiting factor in terms, of, in terms of everything. So we can be looking at changing someone's body, someone's body, whether we're trying to get someone to come off some medication, whether we're trying to get someone to, to actually even step into a gym, wherever it might be, it all comes down to this. This is the limiting factor, in my opinion. And this is why I wanted to have you on, on, on the podcast, because I know that you've done a lot of work based on, uh, on mindset and psychology. Yeah. Uh, and right now we are in a place with quarantine and being at home and being in an uncomfortable situation for most of us, like me and you, mostly on the gym floor, uh, dealing with people face to face. We now are behind a computer delivering virtual yeah. um, classes where it doesn't feel comfortable, right? And it took, yeah. it took a while for me and you to, to adapt to that. And we're still not adapted, but we're making the most of what we have, right? But yeah. uh, uh, what I have found is a lot of people, you know, they've got their routines. They get up in the morning, they do what they do, they go to work, they come home, they've got their routines. And whereas now, that routine is out of the window, you yeah. know? They're starting to snack a lot more because they haven't got the meals prepped because they're at home anyway. The exercise is not as routine as it was because... It's, it can be any time in the day, I guess. And then they've got the kids homeschooling in their, all in one, one house, which can be a bit of a nightmare anyway. And kids are very demanding, as you're probably aware. So what have you found in your, in your side of things with your clients in terms of what, what have you found has been the limiting factor in this situation right now? And what have you done to help your clients based on that? Yeah, well, as you quite mentioned, the trainers that I speak to and all my clients personally and all their clients, the biggest thing that's changed is habits. We, unfortunately, as human beings, from birth, we are conditioned to a sense of normality and what habits we're attuned to. We're told we must get a job, we must work X hours, we must do this, we must that. So we as human beings, I think, are conditioned to a certain conformality. 
And when those habits change, so I speak to a lot of my guys, is people have, will have struggled the first two, three, and this is the third week now, well, third or fourth week of quarantine, and people have struggled to find routine. I don't think, I think snacking comes from boredom, but it yep. also, what I find is kind of, people's normals have changed. And we said at the start of the call, kind of one thing I'm massive of with my guys is understanding that this is a new normal. So what worked for us before isn't going to work now because the circumstances that you find yourself in from a mental and physical standpoint is so different. Just down to the fact of training, kind of, you have to get off your couch on your laptop to then train in your living room. Mm. Like from a mental standpoint, that's impossible for even the best of athletes. So what it's I've been tough. encouraging my guys to do is go outside or go and get some fresh air, go to the toilet, have a walk around, kind of go and do something different to mentally prepare themselves to train. Because yes. that transition from sitting on the couch or homeschooling, as you mentioned, for those people that have got children, to then go straight into workout in the same environment, their environment hasn't changed. People are used to getting into a car from work, 100%. having a rant, listening to the radio, taking a pre-workout or the coffee, going to the gym, and it's a totally different environment. But what I'm finding is clients and people that I'm speaking to, they're feeling almost kind of claustrophobic because they're stuck in the same environment. So yeah. from a mindset standpoint, creating new habits and having an understanding that it's okay to snack or that things are changing and you haven't adhered to your nutrition or you didn't train because it's non-essential at the moment. Getting you to understand and create new habits is so important at this time Yep. from a mental aspect because we mechanically in our brains kind of we've got four different sections and you're looking at kind of the neolimbic brain in regards to habits and almost first and secondary habits your your first habits are created months one to three and they're always ingrained in you and then from there and from 17 kind of you've got habits that change where so as creatures and as human beings we're pre-programmed to not deal with change very well so a lot of the work with my guys has been to find new habits and it may be not be training five, six times a week. And can we create a different normal that is still going to be conducive to them progressively moving forward? Yes. A big thing that I found with my clients is a simple thing. And we talk about it all the time, Holder, is hydration. Mm. So I, I mean, all you listeners, all you listeners that aren't training with Holder now kind of, I'd quite beg the question, how many of you guys are actually adequately hydrated? I'd say not many because I know for myself, I'm sat on my laptop all day. And I'm sat here with a two-liter bottle of water. Yep. At, work, at work, when I'm training, I'll get through three of those. Yes. And I've only been getting through one and a half, two a day. Same as, me. Same as me. So yeah. simple habits like hydration. So my premise with a lot of my guys to begin with has been creating new habits and creating that sense of new normal. Mm. But also getting them to understand and accept that it's okay if things don't go to plan. Because yeah. this is a transitional period. And after the third and fourth week, we should be now starting to get habits ingrained. It can take months for new habits of to course, be ingrained from a psychology standpoint. So getting people to have an awareness and acceptance that is okay. But my checking sheet with clients is very extensive. It takes into account a lot of modalities and a lot of feedback to which I can start to improve and almost pick and improve and get clients to self-administer things they can see on their sheet that they've not drank enough water, they've not ate enough meals, they've not got a form of relaxation in, and we can really start to move things forward. So yeah, for mm. me, the biggest take home to begin with has been creating new habits with guys and making sure that they're, they're starting to understand that it's okay not to be perfect. Absolutely. It's expected, but 
kind of can we progressively move things forward? I think it's the point of being aware, right? And yes, I think awareness is, in, is, a, is 100%. We speak the, about it all the time. One of the things you mentioned there that was really important for me is, is the check-ins. I think, uh, I don't think clients value the check-ins as much as they are valued, right? Yeah. Because the, sometimes, you know, I don't know if you've had this in the past, you know, because we sense that the check-in questions are so extensive and they ask a lot of things, both of us work in the same kind of way because we've been built up that way. Um, and we ask questions about, you know, digestion and sleep and how many hours they've slept and stress levels and all that kind of stuff. And people don't realize, why do you keep asking the same questions? I have our clients, I copy and paste. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, stop copy and paste stuff. This is important because the feedback that you're giving me is they're going to allow me to do my job to see where we've got gaps where we need to work on, mm. right? Just because you can't be bothered, right? Mm. Because it's a little, bit, a little bit of work. But that's what allows me and you as a coach to be able to see where there's a gap and also then they're aware as well there's a gap in that place that they need to improve on, right? Because like you said, we're not going to be perfect. So it's important that we realize, not just right now while we're going through this whole situation, but even long term, when you're trying to change habits, you need to realize where are you going? Yes. You, need to, you need to have a direction, right? Without direction, there's no, you're not going to change a habit. I'm, I'm um, massively, in, I think psychology is similar to you. I'm massively into it. And it's, it's not, I'm always trying to learn more and trying to work around ways of thinking. How can I help a client? Because like you said, everyone's different in many, many ways. So it could be the fact that it just, just actually this week on Sunday, I've been doing a lot of research again into mindset because I think right now it's the most important thing. And one of the things that I've seen, and you might have come across this, is um, the fact that how we make decisions. So if you've got too much choice, as an example, we tend to not pick anything. Yeah. So one of the examples that I, I've seen was, uh, let's say, for example, you, have, you, go, you go to a bar and you're doing rum tasting and you've got 20 bottles of rum in front of you and they make you taste each different bottle of rum. And then in the end, you've got 20 bottles to choose from and you like quite a few of them, but then you like, it's decision paralysis. You don't know what to pick yeah. because there's too many choices, right? Um, whereas right now in quarantine, you haven't got the choice. Yeah. So things are pretty simple. Hmm. It's either black or white, right? Do you know what I mean? So it's now, and that, that kind of gave me an epiphany. Well, hang on a second. This, this could be really good. For example, with, with food, as an example, you know, having your, your, your protein, your carbs and your fats, right? Instead of looking at 20 sources of protein, well, maybe if you're struggling with your diet and maybe struggling with protein, maybe just look at four or five options for now and stick to those. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yeah. And, and I feel like right now, for example, my wife massively struggled before this quarantine stuff. Say there was a beautiful day outside, nice warm weather. Where should we go? Where should we go and eat? Should we go to Peak District? Should we go to London? And it becomes this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, we have a little bickering about it because like, why can't you just relax? Yeah. You know? Whereas right now, she's like, I can't believe it. I'm so comfortable. Yeah. Because you haven't got a choice to go to any of those places. That's why you're comfortable. So it just shows you how the mind works. Have you looked into that before? Yeah. And one of the things with me is going off your point is kind of we, what's happening with people's mind now is kind of decision making has been forced upon us. And we obviously we're like, a lot of us are like caged animals, but I'm using this opportunity similar to like you've just mentioned, but to reduce people's decision making, as you said, people don't have as many choices at the moment. So 
that's going to that's going to be conducive with them making the right reports. You can only go to the supermarket once or twice a week. People aren't going to Tesco for lunch. People aren't doing the normal things that they do. So in order exactly. for, the, for us to create adherence, it's got so much better. The yes. only difference that I'm finding with a lot of people that I speak to, going back to the psychology element, is the internal dialogues, which you mentioned earlier on, that people are having with themselves. Like that, that inner conflict of what they're saying to themselves from a language perspective. Because mm. at the moment, people are speaking to friends and family on the phone and they're saying, this is shit, this is boring, mm. I'm so bored. I'm... So one thing I say to a lot of my guys is, the, language, the internal dialogue that you tell yourself will become your reality. So if you tell something, tell yourself something is rubbish for long enough, it will become your reality and yes. your environment. And negatives will start to happen. I'm very much a believer in positivity breeds positivity. So 100%. A, a lot of what I've been working on with clients is the eclectic way they speak to themselves. And can we take that perceived negative and what we say to us make it positive? So let's say we don't like being behind a laptop for example mm. uh, it's boring being sat behind a laptop the way i've chosen to spin this is i'm in agreement with you it is boring behind my laptop but what i tell myself from an internal dialogue standpoint is it's not ideal being in front of my laptop but my clients are still getting a positive benefit out of our time together so That's just true. by tweaking what you're saying from a negative to a positive we have up to as I've, you've heard me say many times before up to twenty thousand internal dialogues a day if those dialogues and decisions we have to make are all negative, it's going to lead to, in, you spoke about mental health, in, increase in anxiety, depression, negativity. If the conversations that we're having on phones with loved ones and house party or watch party, whatever it is, and everything's, oh, it's boring, it's crap, it's shit, that's going to become your reality. So mm. what I've said to a lot of my guys is, I'm a father myself, my son's nearly 16 now. If I'd have had the opportunity to get paid 80 to 100% of my wages to stay at home with Tyler for three to six months or whatever, how long this quarantine is going to be early on in his years, I'd have jumped at that chance. Yes. That's, people are getting, this will never, I don't think, unless we have a rebound of the virus, this will never happen again. Lifestyles again. And people are getting a chance to stay at home and homeschool their children. I know some parents get frustrated. And I understand that kind of it can be frustrating, but use this opportunity to see how what an amazing chance this is to see your children grow. For to spend sure. time with your loved ones. That doesn't apply to everybody. Yeah. I know some people aren't enjoying it, but it's an amazing time to spend time with your loved ones and really get to reconnect again. What I'm finding with a lot of my guys is this has been a fantastic opportunity for people to reconnect mm. and actually get to know each other better, children, spouses family if you're at home with your family uh, as an example you know i'm very close to my grandma and granddad mm. kind of unfortunately i do her shopping on a monday and friday i have to leave it at the doorstep and she'll talk to me through the door and obviously mm. we respect the government's guidelines of two meter distance and it pains me that i can't give her a great big hug but she said to me on the phone the other day i've never felt as loved as she does at the moment because obviously i'm going to see her on a monday and friday with her shopping i'm phoning her every day my mum and my uncle are phoning her every day and she's never had that much phone contact because her and my granddad are quite reclusive and they do sit on their own. So, but she said to me the other day, she's never felt so loved, which exactly. to me, it spoke volumes. So your perception of the situation will become your situation. So I know it's not ideal for some people and I'm not, I'm not saying it's not difficult because it is, if you've got yes. three different kids I mean, and people are busy and I'm, I'm empathetic to that, but it's easy to look at everything in a negative light when it's just simply switching how you think about things to a positive, which me mm. and you are very understand very well is so important at this time. 
it's the it's the most important thing right now. And you 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 uh, hit the nail on the head right now. You know, it's it's the fact that we have got time, whereas we know, like me and you, for example, getting up at five o'clock in the morning every day, getting up at nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't call our mums every day. Like I don't, I didn't call my mum every day, but now I'm calling my mum every day. Yeah, because I have the time. I actually don't call our FaceTime. So I see my mum on a daily basis, where yeah. I wasn't doing that before. Yeah, because my mind is at work. I'm yeah. getting up. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I come home. I'm tired. I want to have a shower and go to sleep. Mm. Whereas right now, I've been able to sit back and yeah. think. I'm going to call my mum, speak to her. So mm. we've actually come a lot closer, and and we do feel a lot more loved. And I think it's important to take that as a positive instead of a negative. 100%. And I've spoke to a few people, sorry to put and I've spoke to a few people that are still working full time and having to look after their kids. So yes. the, your listeners that are listening, they're like, oh shit, well, I'm still working. I've still got my kids and I'm having to work all late nights. And I, I understand that. And for those people, kind of, it is a bit more difficult. But yes. again, it's very easy to say, oh, but ultimately it is even in the biggest of negative you know what i'm like kind of it's always finding the smallest of positives but there is there is always a positive there is always a positive it's very it's 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 the easy as we've said before it's very easy to take the negative route because that's what you want to do because that's a safe position nobody well, ever nobody ever grew in in just being comfortable did they no absolutely no i think as humans we all very much set to look at negative stuff right <laughs> If you just look at the news right now, I've actually stopped watching now. But every day on the news, it's all about how many people have died Mm -hmm. from Mm COVID-19. How many times have they said these many people have survived? Mm -hmm. Never. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't read for as long as I've known you, which is quite a few years now. I've never watched the news or read a paper. I don't. I just don't. It's pointless, in my opinion. And to be honest with you, I don't normally... But because of the whole situation, I did at the beginning a little bit. My wife was sitting there and watching the TV, so I'm watching with her. But I banned her. I'm like, look, this is done. We're not doing this no more. This is stupid. It's just creating negativity in our brains that we don't need. Mm. And since we've stopped watching the news, we have felt so much better. Yeah. Like, amazing. But the, but the point is, is that the fact is, there may have been 10,000 people that have survived that day from, from having COVID-19, and 1,000 have died, but they focus on 1,000 that have died. Yeah. it's like well instead of that why don't you share positive news maybe people maybe people would have felt a lot better in terms of the situation but that, that goes to anything right in life like if you think of a client that you worked with in the past you know there's, there's you probably done so many positive things for them then yeah. you may have said something negative one day on your check-in and they just pick up on that or he made me cry yeah i'm gonna say what about the times that i made you smile yeah, because no. that's, that's the thing with human behaviours. Negativity is always attributed to a past event. Again, all the research I've been doing into neuroscience in the brain is our mind essentially is conditioned from when we're very born. So how we're brought up, how our parents were, not just appearance, but environmental issues like school, college, university. Our brain is very, very smart at picking up. So you will find a lot of people's negativity is attributed to a pain. Yes. of some sort and as you quite rightly said it's kind of it's it's so easy for us now to our brain to click on and think oh oh that i'm not good enough for that like mm. the word the eclectic words we use like i banned like tyler is now 15 i've always said to him since he's born there's no such thing as can't i'm very much of the opinion there's there's only you will or you won't when my clients say to me i'm going to try to no you won't that's that's as good as saying you're not going to not going to do it yeah like there's no such thing as try. You either are or you aren't. You're gonna, you need to be very kind of authoritative and very yeah. 
direct with your action or it's nothing's going to happen. Me and you Absolutely. both understand that. And I've been through periods in my life where I've half-assed something or I've tried yeah. to do something and I've approached something with a negative mind and it's never, it's never, it's never come up. No, we, we all do that. We've all done that in yeah. life, haven't we? Yeah, because so. you know why? It's not a priority. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Values well, well, is so important. And I think for people now, it's, I'm hoping after we come out of the back end of the virus that this is going to kind of, people are going to understand that they don't need a lot to be happy. Because as, mm. as, as, a, as a country, as a nation, we are very gluttonous in regards. We buy things we don't need. We kind of, we, like a prime example, the over-shopping when it first, this all first started <laughs> and the greed and people not being able to get stuff and the elderly and emergency services not being able to get stuff because it's all sold out. We are a very gluttonous kind of country. So I'm hoping that pe this is resonate with people that to be happy, you don't need a lot. Mm. And to, be, to feel better, it's not very difficult to undertake successful tasks on a day-to-day -day basis, eat clean food, uh, go, on a, go on a walk once a day, do a, a home workout of choice. Yeah, um, we don't we don't need a lot as human beings to function optimally and to feel good. Absolutely. And I'm hoping the back end of this virus will identify to people that kind of we don't need a lot. It's nice hope, to have things. But I hope so. I hope so. I just I'm, I'm just hoping it doesn't. You know, people quick. The problem is with people they quickly forget. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I don't think people quickly forget what's going on at the moment for a while. Personally, I think it will last for a while, um, especially if people are affected by it. Yeah, and they've had family members who have suffered with it, or even sadly passed away with it. So hopefully, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Not hopefully, but there's a lot of people out there that will never forget this. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping you're absolutely right that people realise that we don't need a lot at all, and and it's it's what's in here that really matters at the end of the day. Yeah. I wanted to pick up on a couple of things. First of all, in terms of habits, uh, what would be your advice to anyone? looking to change habits i know that you massively looked into this before so yeah. what would be your advice anyone right now for example sitting at home listening to this in quarantine haven't done nothing with their diet haven't done nothing in terms of moving and they listen to this and they get inspired by it and they're like you know what i need to do something about my health it's really important both dan and helder inspired me to, to get moving but then we need to build on that so what would be the habits and how would they build that based on your experience well, first thing for me is if somebody's not done anything, don't try and change everything at once because you set yourself up for failure. A word that I use quite often is little wins. Little wins are so important when embarking on any type of journey. Kind of getting somebody that's never eaten or never trained before to go from a zero to 100%, it's impossible. You're just setting yourself up for failure. And then when you do fail that first time, what happens? You go into relapse and you think, I'm not doing it because that's yeah. not enough. So my, my kind of advice to anybody just starting out is start with a little thing once a week. It could be as simple as drink more water. One of the biggest hidden, hidden tricks of fat loss is stay hydrated. You, most of your body requires hydration, kind of. So stay hydrated. Uh, a goal week two could be, right, you eat uh, two pizzas a day for argument's sake. Just eat one pizza a day. That's it. Kind of little wins and... One of the biggest things for me is starting your day off right. Try to always start the day with a win. Write yourself on an evening, potentially a list of three or four things to do. I don't care what they are, but as long as you start that next day with one of those tasks and own it. 
Start your day with a win and a win positivity and a little win will set you up for the rest of the day. And for me, it's, it's not changing everything at once, kind of. Totally. Substantial change takes time. People that have been overweight or unhealthy or malnourished for 15, 16, 20 years then want to go from zero to 100 and expect change in six to 12 weeks. Me and you oh, know, physiologically, that's impossible. Uh, mechanically, from a neurotransmitter standpoint, it's impossible. So don't expect uh, Rome to be built in a day. Take one step at a time and take simple, achievable goals. I, With my clients, I set a framework of goals that are under what I know professionally are under expecting. So let's say I know an average week, I'd like a client to lose 2.2 pounds, which is a kilo a week. I'd always set them a goal of, right, I want you to lose a pound a week. Because that's setting them up for success. Because yes. if I say 2.2 pounds, and we know through, through many other factors, weight, weight is not just a linear kind of measure of thing, because it can be fluctuated with so many things. And if they only achieve a one pound loss one week, they're going to be disappointed. If I say one pound and they get one pound, great, we're on target. If they get two pounds, we've over exceeded target, amazing. Next week, I want another pound. So for those of you guys that are thinking of embarking on a journey, don't have too many over-ambitious expectations. Have an expectation of yourself to succeed, and please do set yourself up for success. But don't be too hard on yourself. Yep. Trying to change habits that have been instilled in you for 15 years or 10 years plus is very difficult. Not going to happen overnight. It's I say to my guys, I'd love to tell you guys that it's easy. You just eat clean, exercise, drink plenty of water, move more, and that's all you have to do and it's easy. I'd be lying to you because it's not. Creating yeah, substantial change, Helder, as we both know with clients in the vast years of experimental God, is not easy. No. It's going to take a lot of work, most importantly with this and how you, ra how you rationalize the irrational thoughts that you're going to have on your journey. But working alongside a professional coach or having an understanding of what's achievable and how you're going to go by and set a plan is going to be super important. So to answer your question, it's little wins. So try to, whether it be every couple of days or every week, set yourself one target and achieve that target on a bigger scale. And then try to start your day every day with a win and set yourself up for success. And if you start the day right, it might just be something as simple as drinking a pint of water to get yeah, everything from a hormonal, impact, a hormonal standpoint, get moving. Just one simple thing to do in a morning when you get up from waking to set yourself up for success. And it's, it, people, when they get into good habits, they see how easy it is. But actually changing habits that we've had for a while is very, is very difficult. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is. And you know what? A few things that you've said there remind me of two books. Book number one is called Make Your Bed. Yep. You read that? Yes, very good book. Simple, book number, simple and effective, right? Um, amazing. It's that, it's that first thing, wake up in the morning. Yeah. Start, start with one thing that's going to help you create this snowball of positivity throughout the day, which make, make your bed, right? In that one. And the other one is Switch. Have you read a book called Switch? Switch, yeah. Chip, chip, uh, chip and Dan. That's right. Yeah. That is, again, a lot of the things you said there uh, based on, on what I read in that book. Which yeah. I, another, another one to, uh, I, I'm not sure the author of it, but it's called One Thing. The One Thing. It's a yellow one. book with a big one in. That's oh, yeah. a very good yeah, and, I've seen and, it, but I haven't read that. Gary, I might be Gary, but one, yeah, the one thing or one thing. That's a great book. That's similar to Switch in okay. regards to just telling you to. You're gonna have a fuzzy mind, and you're gonna have a million and one things to do. So try to position yourself where you just do one thing at a time. Simplify it. 
yes, simplify it because yeah. we human beings is so much to do and kind of procrastination is such a big thing. And Huge. once we start to procrastinate, we get nothing done. And then yeah. we start to hate ourselves because we've got nothing done. So if we start by just segmenting things and just doing one thing at a time, we're human. We're human. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people say we're very good at multitasking. We're not. No. The human brain won't work efficiently if it's trying to go over too many tasks at once. At so once, absolutely. One thing at a time. And this brings me to something that, based on the conversation we're having, both of us have been coaches for a while. Um, and, you know, I used to think this. I used to think that when I first started my job as a personal trainer, that I was a luxury for people because of the amount of money that people were paying me. But based on the actual, what I give my clients and what you give your clients, and I can only go by people that I know in the industry, such as yourself, where I know what you do is above and beyond. Um, and what I do is above and beyond what most, unfortunately, most personal trainers give. And that's not necessarily their, their fault. It could, could just be they don't have the knowledge to give the rest, which, which can be their fault because they've not learned and they don't want to learn. But whatever, right? But my, my, I, I've changed my, my mindset about that massively lately. Since I've opened my own studio, and even more now with, this, with the fact now that we've had to really change the way we coach people, mm-hmm. and we have to be there. I've had to be there, literally. And it's not been that I've had to be there. I've wanted to be there because I, I, I need to support my people through this. You know, this is tough. So I've been there for them through thick and thin, and every day I'm there all the time doing what I need to do. And I'm, I've realized I'm not luxury no more. You know, these people actually need me. And how do you feel about that? I, it's, it's funny because I was just talking about this uh, to a, tra- a couple of trainers I talked to last week in the team meeting I had last week. I've never been a luxury. I am an essential part of your life. Totally. I mean, I mean that not from an egotistical standpoint. No, no. As I say to my clients, I'm the bridge between you having to go to emergency services, to you having to see a doctor, a physician, a healthcare practitioner, all those extreme kind of the, the NHS that are doing a fantastic job at the moment kind of I'm the bridge that stops you from going to see them absolutely so kind of, I would never describe myself as a kind of luxury because I'm not I'm essential from a health and fitness standpoint but also from being a very impartial part of your life so I say to all my clients I don't care what you've got going on at home I don't care about your husband or wife or your children or your family I do care that they're healthy but I care about you so I'm a very impartial part of your life, but you've got, a, you've got all this going on, but that doesn't matter to me because I'm here for you. And I'm a, you can talk to me about anything. So kind of the role that I see myself in regards to, we describe it, M10 as being a 360 coach. I'm not just here to train you. I'm not just here to look after your nutrition. I'm here to almost auto-regulate and take control of your life. And a lot of people are like, whoa, how are you going to do that? And just by kind of seeing the value that I have to offer and just it's because I genuinely care it's not absolutely it's not because I'm trying to make people feel inadequate or make them feel any less of a man or a woman they are or a parent but I'm I'm here because I care every single one of my clients I put so many hours into a week other than just the one hour of training of course because it's because it's important people are starting to lose sight and we got this i got this uh off a old colleague of mine is kind of we are in the health and fitness industry and a lot of people nowadays are just looking at the word fitness when and they're losing sight of how important we and our role in society on the health aspect of people is well and health, when I talk about the three things approach, it's so important we've got the six pillars at m10 which is 
mindset, psychology, uh, nutrition, training, uh, sleep, stress, and digestion. The six pillars that we work with and kind of each one of those represent a part of somebody's life. And yep. you know, as a coach, kind of, is that just a five minute talk to talk about all those things? Uh-huh. No, there's a lot of work that goes into identifying potential limitations in somebody's life in regards to them achieving sustainable results. Yeah, which so can take- are, are, we, are we a luxury? Hell no, we're, uh-huh. I would say we're an essential part of people's life because everybody thinks they know how to train and by all, to all intents and purposes, people do know how to train, but it's the I found with the people that I talk to, it's the other aspects that they don't realize that we do, which is where our skill set lies, which is so important. Yeah. As I said to you, I'm not a physician and uh, I do know when to refer out. I'd never Absolutely. to be, and I've got an extensive network around me of different types of therapists that w- I work closely with to give my clients the best service. But Absolutely. Kind of the value in helping my clients stopping stop seeing them is so important. Hundred percent. So the So yeah, I totally agree with you. We we are not a luxury. We are we are an essential part of people's lives. More so now. I've not sp- like obviously I do a lot of education for M10, but I think I must have had triple figures conversations about the immune system over the last three weeks. Yeah. So kind of that's where my value lies. The, the workouts themselves, people can train, but kind of teaching people about a uh, part of their body that they don't understand exists or how it functions is so important. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, that's the, the conversation I've been having with myself and with my wife is the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a luxury. And in fact, that's money well spent that you're actually spending on coaches such as myself, such as yourself. And there are some amazing coaches out there doing the right things. There are some really good people out there that want to help you. And we're not in it for the money. The money comes as a byproduct of what we do because we love what we do. Well, people don't respect something they get for free. Absolutely not. No. If I could afford to do this for free, you, you, you know, mate, I would. Yeah. I, I would turn up for day nine, 5 a.m. till 9 p.m. every single day and train people for free if I could. Yeah. But unfortunately, not, that's, that's not how the world works. And when people, I, it's been in my experience when I've trained friends and stuff and I've given stuff for free. They don't, they don't, they don't they've appreciate it. They've took the piss and they don't appreciate it. So yeah. almost monetizing something is super important. And I know guys, for my hourly fee, I know guys that go out on the town at the weekend and spend hundreds of pounds. So 100%, 100%. When people still can't afford personal training, for me, it's a cop out because you don't value your health enough. I think most people don't, can't afford personal training because they don't value personal training because yeah. they, they haven't actually experienced real personal training. What, what real personal training is. You know, they might have paid somebody 30 quid an hour to go to a, a gym and yeah. someone pull them through a, a chest workout. Yeah. That's not personal training. No. You know, you can, you can hook up with a bodybuilder in the gym anywhere and become friends with them and they can pull you through a session, yeah. right? So personal training is not that. Personal training, like you said, it comes to mindset, digestion, stress, sleep the immune system all of those things these are the things that we're going to help you with psychology is such a big thing you know uh, i've i've had clients that come into the to the studio and i don't train them no. i sit down with them for an hour and we talk and we cry and we do what we need to do to make sure that they go away from their feeling better than when they came in 100%. and I, I don't think people realize that until they've they've received that service and until they receive that service, they don't know what the value of that is. Yeah. And I guess that's probably, so if anyone is listening to this or watching this, that's ever thought about working with a personal trainer and you thought that was a luxury, then I think you need to rethink that and find a personal trainer in your area that cares so much about what we care about. And I'll guarantee you, that'll be one of the best investments you've ever made. 
I really believe that. You can't, you can't, I always say to guys, you can't put, I'm like you, I train a lot of successful businessmen, business women, business owners that make a lot, a lot of money that could afford to buy the gym that we work in yeah. over. Yeah. But the, my one phrase that I say to them is, your money's worth nothing if you're dead. Exactly. Money, money hasn't got a price when you, if you're dead. So if you're unhealthy, you're overweight, you're at risk of cardiovascular, high risk of cardiovascular diseases, blood pressure's really high. Type 2 diabetic artery, almost. Arteries, you're type 2 diabetic, undiagnosed. Like, you can't put a price on your health and kind of all the money that you have or all the, all the money that you've got or you want to achieve is worthless without your health. Yep. The, the, big, the biggest tool you have in your arsenal to succeed in any profession that you have is your body and your body to perform, your body's ability to perform the tasks necessary to do the job in the industry that you're in. I said to somebody on another call, I can't remember who I was talking to, but I said, I probably have added 10 to 15 years of life to people's lives without them, without them realizing. Yeah. And that is, I mean, if, if you were dying of cancer today and I came to you, I said, I'll give you 15 years now, how much would you pay for that? Yeah. Mate, people would pay millions. Yeah. But the fact that me and you have, have stopped people from, you know, high cholesterols have come down, blood pressure's come down, the blood sugar's come down, everything markers have improved. We've just improved 10 years of their life where they're going to live another 10 good quality years. But they don't realize that, right? And I think it's important. I really want to put that out there because I think it's so important. Well, me and you think that, we know that, but they don't see that when they're going home to their mom, to their wife, to their dad, whatever it might be. They don't see that's happening. Yeah. And I think that is so, so important. Yeah. Health, health is wealth. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter how much money you've got or how much money you want to earn. And, and even for people that aren't, wealthy it's not about a monetary value no, being, anything. being healthy even if you're looking to get on the ladder of success kind yeah. of being able to from a neurotransmitter standpoint and being healthy in your mind and your your digestive system to be able to learn and pick up stuff kind of you look at the early onset of kind of things like adhd and autism yeah. and all of those kind of conditions around there kind of the initial link is Poor, poor digestive function. So if you don't want to get better for a performance perspective from a training and body composition standpoint, get, in, get better just to live your life, get a more optimal digestion to live mm. your life better. Let me, give you another, let me give you an example of success. People, you know, a lot of people listening to this may be thinking success business-wise, money-wise, wealth. But even, even if you were a single guy or single girl right now, you know, you may be a little bit overweight. Maybe you're not sleeping as well as you should be. Maybe you're drinking a little bit too much and you haven't got nobody in your life. Now, just by you changing those habits, your mental state will improve so much. You'll feel physically better. You'll perform better. You'll be more mentally clear, which that can lead to you meeting someone and being at your best, not physically, only physically, but mentally as well, where they're going to appreciate you for who you are. Straight away there, that's success. You know, we can't just measure success based on wealth. We're going to measure success based on, you know, like you said, the digestion is important for things like ADHD. You know, there's so many things that, and this is why I, I, I don't like the word success, but I also like the word success because it can be measured so many different ways. It's, like, and, it's multifaceted, isn't it? There's no, yeah. success is what it means to each and every individual out there. Kind of Absolutely. Success should mean something different to every person that we come into contact with. Without a doubt. Um, it is 
industry. Some people it is having a great family and being in love. Yeah. Other it is to have six pack abs for the beach or exactly. So success to people is very multifaceted, which is why it's such a broad word. Again, kind of as you quite rightly said to back you up, kind of success is not just where a monetary value is attributed to it. it no. And based, based on that, um, I said to you before, I've got four pillars I live by, health, wealth, love, and happiness. And I look at them as, you know, I have a certain percentage of success in those that I want to achieve. But I don't want to have too much in one and too little in another because that goes off balance. So I'm going to ask you uh, on those, in, those, in those four pillars, what you, how, you, how would you measure success and what does that mean to you? So let's talk about health first. What does success look like to you in terms of health? Health is just to have an optimally functioning body, kind of. For me, from a health perspective, is like we spoke about blood testing and all the factors that go into having, uh, for me, health is internal. Health isn't anything external. It's not a visual and aesthetic view, having six-pack abs and kind of being shredded, as people say. That's not health to me. Health is being able to live a long and fruitful life, being active. I've got clients that are 16, 70 years old that can still ride a bike and ride motorbikes one of my clients peter does so kind of to me health is kind of having an optimally fun, optimally functioning body from an internal standpoint as opposed to external wow. like external is very uh it's very it's visual but it's very superficial usually superficial because i know many people that have got six pack and very good looking people who have got mental 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 illness issues and people with six packs are very unwell so it means nothing what you look like on the outside health Everything. is all yeah so in terms of wealth how do you what success means to you in wealth for me as i said right at the start success from a wealth standpoint it's not monetary devised it's just for me it's knowing kind of that my well giving my son the opportunity to go to university have it my goal has always been from a wealth standpoint to have my own house a car and to be have to have two holidays or one holiday, two holidays, shall we say, anywhere in the world that I want to. And if yeah. I decide I want to go to this place, I can go there. So me, for me, wealth isn't being a multimillionaire and being a billionaire and kind of being kind of uber wealthy. Yep. It's, it's having the simple amenities of a nice car at my own, uh, nice car, nice house, couple of holidays a year, and my son and my family, my nearest and dearest being looked after, kind Maybe. of. It's not, it's not me, kind of me as an entity. It's, it's everybody around me. Around living. you. Yeah. So in terms of love, what does success mean to you? Yeah, no, love and success for me, as I, as I said a second ago, you've known me for a few years' time. I've been guilty in the past of putting my work before everything else. Mm. Kind of putting it before love and kind of what I've been trying to do the last, last year or two is try to readdress the balance. And un, like you have tried to understand the correlation between kind of putting things into each individual part and not overdoing work at the expense of kind of finding time for my son, yeah. my granddad and for loved ones as well. So yeah, for me, love, I've always had up until the last few years, I've always had it the wrong way around, which I might not, kind of, which has been a lot of my growth the last couple of years, but now it's time to kind of readdress the balance and I've started to put a lot more into other love factors as opposed to just everything into into being work because it's when I'm most happy. Brilliant. And in terms of happiness, you just said the word. What does success mean to you? It's a multitude of everything. Happiness for me is kind of the biggest factor. Like I said, I live, I've got very few values and kind of my three biggest values is obviously be a good, uh, 
grandson to my grandma and granddad and ensure they live as long as a fruitful a life as possible for what they've yep. got left. Be a great dad to Tyron one day, him look back and be proud of the person I've become. And also to be a great coach and kind of confident. Every people, every per, every every client, every trainer, every person that I come into contact with, I'd like to think that I've empowered them and given give them something positive to go away with. You've had an impact on their life. Yeah, and being able to have a positive impact and to look back. I mean, I always say I could die tomorrow and I'd be I'd be comfortable with what I've given back to society. Society, sorry, but I do believe I can continue to give more back. Mm -hmm. There's more there. Which makes me happy. There's more to there's more of Dan to give around. It's important Absolutely. as it goes. So yeah. Well, I thank you for giving your yeah. time right now to me uh, and to everyone else that's listening to this. This was one of my favorite calls so far because I think it's one of the most important things that we we don't normally talk about, which is mindset and psychology, which we should be talking about a lot more. Absolutely. So I'd like to thank you so much for taking your time, Dan. Yeah, just apologies to all the listeners and readers that I haven't had a haircut. This is day. This is hey. week. This is week four. Don't worry, mate. Long, long beard, long hair. So, yeah, apologies for all you guys that have to go through the, <laughs> watching me speak with all this hair. But, yeah, thank you for having me on, mate. It's always... always I, no, 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 no problem. Basically, um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? What's the best ways to find Dan? Well, my uh, Insta handle is just DanSmith underscore, underscore coach. Uh, just Daniel Smith on on LinkedIn, and then my email address is w uh, just w uh, dan smith at m10fitness.co.uk. If you guys were or anything, or any guys have got anything we want to elaborate a little bit more on what I've said, please do get in touch on one of those kind of in one of those ways. Uh, and when we're back up and running in terms of normal life, guys, if you um, look into M10 um, uh, Gym in Nottingham, they are one of well, I worked there for a while and one of the best personal training facilities in the country, in the world, if I'm honest with you. Um, the, not just because of the coaches that they have, but also the kit that they have in there, that their knowledge is next to none. I'd recommend you guys look at their stuff online. Uh, they do a lot of courses for PTs, um, which, which I highly recommend as well. So check them out and check Dan out and give him a follow and uh, you won't be disappointed. Dan, thanks once again for taking your time, buddy. Always good to catch up, mate. Thank I hope you. You, I hope you and the family stay safe at, at these times, and I look forward to catching up soon, mate. All right, take care, mate. All bye right, bye. Dan. Take it easy, buddy. See you soon. Bye.